on today's show, a look at the NBA trade deadline for your Houston Rockets. What would be considered a win for the Rockets at the trade deadline? What happens with Eric Gordon, KJ Martin, and maybe a few other names for your Houston Rockets? We're going to break down how to evaluate these players, whether or not you can still get a first for Eric Gordon. Does it make sense to clear up the log jam on the wing by moving one of KJ Martin or another player on this Rockets team? We're going to break down all of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, Two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube, where I would like for you to share your thoughts about what you would like the Rockets to try and achieve at this year's NBA trade deadline. What would you consider a win for the Houston Rockets at the NBA trade deadline? Let me know in the YouTube comments. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Thank you for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every day, whether it's on the way to work, in the car, going to the gym, at the gym, on your lunch break, whatever. Thanks for making LOR part of your day every single day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. Joining us now, as he does each and every week, is none other than the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben DuBose. You can follow on Twitter at Ben DuBose. And we are a week away, uh, by the time you're listening to this, maybe less, maybe slightly less than a week away from the NBA trade deadline. So that's what Ben and I are going to focus on today is what what are the Rockets going to do ahead of this NBA trade deadline? There are a lot of lofty expectations for the Houston Rockets ahead of the deadline. Uh, Namely, moving on from Eric Gordon, it feels like it's at the top of everybody's wish list going into the NBA deadline this season. And Ben, I want to tackle a bunch of different things today. We'll talk a little bit about Eric Gordon. We'll talk a little bit about KJ Martin, maybe a little bit about Jay Sean Tate, uh, what the Rockets goals should be with this trade deadline. What would we consider a win for the Rockets at this trade deadline? But where we should maybe start is... The fact that The Athletic published their NBA trade deadline big board, if you will. And this was a, a, co- a collaborative effort between Sam Vecini, Daniel LaRoe, and, and Seth Partnow. And Eric Gordon's name isn't on this list. And I find that very peculiar. And maybe that's also like the slight bit, like maybe a little bit concerning going into the deadline that these guys don't have a feeling that Eric Gordon might be on the move as we are a week away from the deadline. Yeah, it's an overall odd list because not only is Eric not on it, you don't see KJ Martin or Jason Tate on there either. And again, when you're going 25 deep, it's not like all the names are A-list, not even close. You've got guys like Karis LeVert, Kelly Olenek, although Rockets legend, let's be respectful here, uh, Jalen McDaniels, Alec Burke. I think across the board, Eric Gordon is a better player than Alec Burks. Let's just be blunt about that. That's just one example, and he is 25th. But it does make me wonder, do they expect these guys to get moved? 
that's one of the only rational explanations that I can come up with because the Rockets are definitely a team that should be active. We've talked about the reasons why before, besides the poor performance this season and the fact that typically teams with close to the worst record in the league tend to sell off and try and build towards the future with more future-facing assets like draft capital they can use in later trades. The, the reality for the Rockets is that they need consolidation. We've been talking about this for a while with all the young talent they have coming in, another high pick this summer and a first round pick from Milwaukee as it stands today, plus all that salary cap room. And you have a roster that's already fairly deep as it is with guys they need to give minutes to and evaluate. So again, that athletic list is just a little curious to me because the Rockets on paper, it's not just that they're bad. That's part of it. It's also when you look at the puzzle, to me, the Rockets need to find some way to consolidate this roster. It's not just about now and how the final two months of the season shape up, but it's also about positioning yourself in the right way for this summer and how you hope to potentially reshape this roster in a dramatic way heading into next season. We've talked about this a lot before on this very podcast, Ben, but when you look at this list of the names that uh, these guys did include, and this isn't like, you know, the the be-all, end-all of players that may or may not be on the move throughout the NBA. This is just, a, you know, a, a gauge of players mm-hmm. to kind of keep an eye on. There are a lot of guards on this list, and maybe even some wings who you could maybe argue are like a bit more guard-oriented, like maybe an OG Ananobi type who is kind of the, maybe the crown jewel of this mm-hmm. NBA trade line. It seems like the Memphis Grizzlies and New Orleans Pelicans are going to start a bidding war on who can get their hands on OG. But you go down the list, you've got guys like Emmanuel Quickly, you've got D'Angelo Russell, you've got Gary Trent Jr., Jordan Clarkson, Josh Hart. There are a lot of guys on this list that you can definitely make their make arguments that Eric Gordon is better than some of those names. But how much does it kind of dampen the market if so many of these guys are readily available and teams are looking if there's if there's too many sellers at this deadline, mm-hmm. that definitely hurts the Rockets' chances to do something with Eric Gordon or by extension one of those other guys we mentioned earlier on, KJ Martin, Jay Shante, etc. I would agree, but I also find that curious because so many of the other macro type reports that we've seen focusing on the NBA as a whole have indicated the opposite, that there really aren't that many sellers because a lot of teams are focused on, especially with the play-in tournament, trying to make a push. Uh, Really, in the West, everybody outside of Houston and San Antonio is in the mix, theoretically. So I don't really buy the idea. To me, it's just a curious omission for one way or another because, again, the reporting, when we're talking about the the league-wide guys would tell you, or at least it seems to suggest, that this is going to be a quieter than average trade deadline. Now, maybe there's a team like Toronto and they're in Houston tomorrow night. Perhaps the Rockets can nudge them towards trading guys like OG, and we'll see what happens with Fred Van Vliet. Maybe there's just, someone... Just tell them to leave their guys behind. Just be like, hey, just, yeah. you know, no, don't get it back on the plane. Just stay yeah. here. Maybe if the Rockets can somehow win a fourth game in out of six, then you can nudge them in that direction. But most of the reporting seems to indicate that it's going to be probably a quieter deadline, at least in terms of the true upper echelon guys, because so many teams are looking to potentially play their way into the playoffs or at least into the play-in tournament this year and see what happens. So your logic is sound. I'm just, again, until I see it from more than one source, I'm a bit hesitant to buy in simply because it just doesn't stack up with the landscape of reporting that we've seen elsewhere. What should the Houston Rockets focus be going into this deadline? I mean, I feel like they should be sellers, but maybe there's an opportunity for them to be buyers at this deadline. We're going to talk about that. We'll focus in a little bit more on Eric Gordon. What a return for him could possibly look like this point. Has it been way too long for the Rockets? And I mean, are they able to still cash in the Eric Gordon chips? We're going to talk about that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. 
As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it so easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, to me, it, it feels like when you're in the position of a team like the Houston Rockets are right now, right? Mm. You know, you're bottom of the league in standings. You don't have, really, you don't really even have a clear-cut identity or direction yet as a team. It very much feels like the Rockets are in a position to be sellers Mm -hmm. at this deadline, right? With a lot of those names that we mentioned in the first segment, right? Eric Gordon, KJ Martin, maybe Jay Sean Tate, guys that you would ideally like to, you know, trade and maybe get back an asset or, or two for, uh, you know, something of future value. Because again, you you are at this point where you need to start consolidating some of what you yes. got on this roster and and being able to move one, one or two or even all three of those guys ahead of the deadline right now when they're ideally probably at their max value because moving those guys in the offseason, you're going to get a much, much less return than you would at the NBA deadline because a team that might be able to use KJ Martin right now and making the playoff push, maybe they think he's the piece that you give them, you know, plug a hole for them or be that extra rotation piece that they're missing to, you know, maybe not get them over the hump and make them a mm-hmm. contender, but just round out their roster a little bit more. There's also the flip side of maybe if a guy like an OG Ananobi is available, mm-hmm. maybe the Rockets feel like they could pounce on a guy like that right now and make themselves a bit more of an attractive destination this offseason as they look yes. to not go like all their chips in on the center of the table, but you know, make that play for a marquee guy like a James Harden or a Kyrie Irving and then, you know, pair them with another top draft asset in Scoot or Wimby. Or if you're going to look to trade that asset, right, if the pick falls three or lower and you want to trade that asset, you've already got a piece. If you make mm-hmm. that move at the deadline, then you you make another couple moves this offseason and you're ready to go. Yeah. And I also think the last five games in which, again, they've won three, their last two in a row with Eric Gordon playing a key role in the absence of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., I think the evidence is pretty clear. The Rockets are not trying to be the worst team in the league this season, which is oh what, my. which is exactly what makes you know their performance until the last week and a half so frustrating. There's a lot of people on social media that try and spin it as, oh, you know, we're tanking. No, that's not really the story, and that's why you know we've been so harsh on this team the last month or two as things have sort of spiraled, especially during the 13 game losing streak. Because for the Rockets. I don't think they want to win this year. I don't think they ever wanted to really make even remotely close to a play-in tournament push. But I also don't think that, again, they're outright trying to lose. And that's part of why the, the last five games, and I do think there's some positives from the fact that they are getting better results finally. Now, can you incorporate Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. into that? That remains to be seen. But this is a team that's trying to blend. Overall, they're still going to be bad, but I don't think that they're really trying to maximize being bad to the extent that things looked over the first 45 games or so of this season. So in terms of how that plays into the trade deadline, I don't think that they will pass up an opportunity if, say, they could get someone like OG. I don't think that perhaps slipping a spot or two in 
the standings and the odds probabilities going into the draft lottery is something that would deter them. To me, as long as they are in the same general ballpark, and keep in mind, for Victor and Scoot, your odds, if you're one of the three worst teams, which they are now, are basically 27%. If you fall down to number four, and that's really, that would seem to be their floor in terms of records, because there's a pretty big gap between the Rockets and the five spot right now. Orlando's made a push of late. So really, the only team that could conceivably boot the Rockets from the top three is Charlotte. Even then you have, you're talking about dropping from 27 to the low to mid twenties in percentages. And I think the way the Rockets are looking at this in terms of taking the next step in this rebuild and transitioning from the laughing stock that they've been for a lot of this season and to hopefully being competitive as soon as next season, it's about getting top shelf talents. And so it's not so much about, do they finish at five or do they finish at eight in the draft lottery? No, it's about, do you get Victor or do you get Scoot? Do you get one of those guys? And so really, you know, when we talk about them potentially slipping a little bit in the odds standings, it's not really changing your odds at Victor or Scoot. What it's doing is dropping you from a floor of pick five, if you're the worst team, to a floor of pick seven or eight. And that's relatively unlikely, but in theory, you could fall that low. And to me, again, I just don't think that's that big of a hindrance for the Rockets if they can get a guy like OG, because again, if you're talking about drafting the five to eight range, it's not a guy that you just plug in and say, okay, this is the foundational piece. No, you'd feel pretty good about him, but the odds are it's someone that's going to have at least a few flaws to their game. That's why they're not a transformational piece like Victor or Scoot. So to me, unless the Rockets do something crazy, I just don't see anyone potentially available at this deadline that would make them, you know, go on a 10 game winning streak or something insane then to me, it's much more about just setting yourself up for the next year. And if you can potentially, you know, if the cost is maybe lowering your floor a spot or two in the lottery and the upside is that you could actually be much more desirable for the free agent class, for the the guys that might think about forcing trades this summer and so on and so forth. To me, that's something that the Rockets should be, and I expect they will be very open to. I don't know if any of those guys are going to be available, but I, I do suspect that Rafael Stone will try. It feels like Toronto is absolutely going the route of blowing yep. it all up. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting that Siakam isn't like, mm. you know, directly on this list, because I feel like for the right, I mean, look, it, it basically feels like Toronto is auctioning off everybody not named Siakam at this point, and that's probably the smart move, right? Siakam's their best player. Uh, they're, they're wanting to hold on to him and, and uh, Scotty Barnes and try to kind of reload around those guys. It feels like, but reloading, I feel like doesn't really usually have the same effect as like rebuilding or, and yeah. so like auctioning off those guys while they're at their peak value right yeah. now might be the best. I mean, would you, Ben, would you include, would you include Tari Eason in a trade for OG Ooh. or Pascal Siakam? If they're, if they're available, I don't, th- I don't know if I would, I'm really torn on it. It's, it's, it's scary to think about at this point. Cause Tari could be really, really, really good, but that could be the difference maker right in. You've got a bunch of teams bidding for OG. There's probably some teams calling about Pascal Siakam. If Toronto's looking to blow it up and Tari could be that blue chip prospect that makes a difference in whether you get an all-star talent like Pascal Siakam or a slightly, you know, one notch below talent in a guy like OG, uh, compared to some of the other teams that are going to be trying to acquire those guys. Yeah, I would at least consider it, but I would try everything to include some of those Brooklyn draft assets first to try and deal from that stockpile as opposed to your existing core. And then if you do have to take from your existing young core, I know that they play somewhat different roles, but I would try everything not to include both KJ Martin and Tari Eason, unless the type of player I'm getting is just, you know, so potentially transcendent that, 
you may not have a choice. I, I would be very hesitant to trade both of those guys in their low 20s with, especially in Tari's case, the type of not just age, but economic control that you have on him because of his rookie contract. You would have to feel really, really good about the player you're bringing in. And maybe OG is that guy, but he's the only guy when I look at the athletic list that I could see really being potentially worth it for the Rockets out of the names that we know. That's what's so tricky about this. Again, I I was sort of making the case a few minutes ago, the Rockets should look to be aggressive. And another reason, it's not like the deadline is at the halfway point of the season anymore. It used to be at that stage a few years back. Now, you know, with the calendar pushing more and more back to mid-October when the season starts, you're basically two-thirds, three-quarters of the season almost done, which means the impact on, you know, your lottery odds is even less than you might think. So it does make the case a bit easier for a lottery team like the Rockets to make a push. It's just hard to see outside of Toronto who those guys conceivably are. And so maybe maybe Friday night, that's a good game for the Rockets to win. I know there's a segment of Twitter, even with the rationale I was just saying with you know the lottery floor not being quite as important, people get nervous about the Rockets winning games because of lottery odds. Maybe Friday's a good game to win simply because of the fact that it could nudge the the Raptors even more in that direction. Because the Raptors are the only situation that, that I could see, at least from what we've heard and seen, you know, nuggets, tidbits here and there. That's the only situation that conceivably could get crazy enough in the next week for the Rockets uh, and potentially make sense for the Rockets, that is. Is it crazy enough that it can't be fixed, Ben? <laughs> if they lose to the Rockets tomorrow night, it might be. You know, if there's one thing that people shouldn't be worried about with this Rockets team, it's their ability to lose games, damn it, all right? Like, there is no reason. Take the tinfoil hat off. There's no, like, there's no reason to be worried about this team not losing enough games to miss out on Victor and Scoot at the end of the season. They are going to have that 28% chance when it's all said and done. Don't worry about that. But what we should worry about is what... What sh- what would we consider a win at this point for the deadline for the Houston Rockets? As we are a week away, kind of looking at all this speculation, what guys may or may not be on the move, what would we deem, what would we consider a win for the Houston Rockets at this trade deadline? We're going to talk about that coming up in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America. That's FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download the FanDuel app now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown first. Right now, you can head over to FanDuel.com to take a look at some of these Super Bowl 57 odds. Right now on the money line, the Kansas City Chiefs plus 100, the Philadelphia Eagles minus 118. And here's a special prop for you. Both Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey to score one plus touchdown each comes in at plus 15,000. You got some easier ones like A.J. Brown, four plus receptions, or how about this one, uh... We go Philadelphia Eagles to rush for four plus touchdowns. Some easier bets to make, but you could check that. You could check out all that action over at FanDuel. The sportsbook app is safe, secure, super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid on your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, then we've kind of taken a look at the NBA landscape there with the, you know, the athletic big board trade list and 
you know, explore the possibility, right? Buyers versus sellers for this Rockets team. What would, what would we, what should we walk away feeling like is a win for this Rockets team ahead of the deadline? I feel like we can very safely assign some of like the losing outcomes of this deadline. Like if they don't move Eric Gordon, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty big L. Um, that's probably, that would maybe be the one for me is if you can move Eric Gordon and at least get back a first round draft pick, giving a, given everything that we've known, the picks mm-hmm. that have been on the table previously for Eric Gordon, some of the rumored trades, you know, the four second rounders from Milwaukee, yeah. all that kind of stuff. If you can get away with moving Eric Gordon and a not taking back bad money and B getting some version of a first round draft pick, even if it's just a late first in this year's draft that you maybe do some magic with and, and kick the can a little bit further down the road on. I think that would be a win yeah. for me, or at least one one version yeah. of a win for this I'm not, deadline. I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit on that. Sure. I would absolutely consider it a win if they could get a first-round asset for Eric Gordon. I'm with you on that part. I would not necessarily consider it a loss if they don't, at least not in terms of this deadline. Now, could you consider it a loss if you know we've heard in the past they theoretically had all these offers, including first-round picks for Eric Gordon at last year's deadline? Yes, you can consider it a loss I suppose for Rafael Stone in the macro when we're comparing what was available this year to a year ago. But in terms of should they deal him no matter what, that, that's where I'm going to disagree because I do think there's value. You know, this entire season, if I was to put like a tagline, because the Rockets didn't really do a new tagline this year, they stuck with light the fuse. So there was no new slogan this year. At least in no, terms no, 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 no. We, we, we have established over okay. at Rockets Watch, we have established a new slogan. The new slogan okay, for the season it? is fight but lose. That is the <laughs> slogan for this season. And somebody did a Photoshop edit of this, and it is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen ever. You know what? I'll post it to okay. the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. I'll post it there, the graphics, so you can see it later. I think I saved it to my phone. Fight but lose is the motto for this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, the one that I would go, at least from like the online discourse, would be whose fault is this? Because it feels like from one month to the next, and again, some of this is you know a fan base that wasn't ready for rebuilding. I do buy it. that's a small component of it, but I also oh my. Think, <laughs> I also think that we've just seen a steady sort of escalation. You know, about a year ago, I would say about the first half of last season, there was a bit of a honeymoon phase, if you will, to that really being the first true year of the rebuild and having. A, all these new first-round picks, Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba. And it really took until the second half of last season to where folks started wondering a little bit about the culture. And imagine then, going on a honey imagine going on a honeymoon and you're stuck on a honeymoon with Daniel Tice. Oh geez. That doesn't mm, and, and they did, by the way, that was a win. <laughs> they they somehow did offload Daniel Tice without and, and got Bruno Fernando, although some people might consider that uh not a win. It's, at it's the not a win, it's a wash, right? Like yeah. you signed him and it was a bad move. You realized yeah. it was a bad like so I don't think I don't think yeah getting out of it I don't think quantifies as a, it's a neutral move at yeah. best. Okay. Yeah a neutral move. Uh, unless you love Bruno Fernando. But again, I think there's more people that are, that are annoyed by Bruno at the moment, given the fact that he seems to be blocking uh, Usman Garuba for minutes. We don't talk about Bruno. OK, but to circle back to, you know, this chain of, I guess, whose fault is this? It started a year ago, people wondering about the player influences, Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., especially after the New Year's Day incident. And then Christian Wood was traded during the offseason. 
And it didn't seem to get that much better. And so there's been talk about Steven Silas really since the start of this season because of his contractual situation, not having anything guaranteed after this year. So it's understandable he's under the microscope. Then the last month or two, you know, you're hearing whispers that, you know, some of this stuff is not fully within Steven Silas's control. And so people are wondering about Rafael Stone as GM. People are questioning Tillman Fertitta as the owner and, and so on and so forth. And so when you talk about a franchise that's struggling, that much. And it's not just here locally. We've seen people nationally talking about, you know, the Athletic had that story the other day about the Rockets being one of the worst watches in the league and in terms of just their habits and everything being so off. People are noticing that stuff. And so there is value in, for example, these last five games, they've won three of them, two in a row. Their defensive rating in that stretch is actually eighth in the NBA. For the season as a whole, it's 28th. And one reason for the jump, well, there's two reasons. First off, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are not I was going to say the two reasons are the twins, the fact that they're out of the lineup. (laughs) But the other reason, you're seeing a greater role for Eric Gordon. And so hopefully that helps to build his market for the trade deadline. His last two games in particular, which they've won, he's averaging 24 points a game, really strong efficiency, nearly 50% shooting. But he's also, you know, building the right habits. I, I do think there should be some comfort at least from these games. I know it's a little bit discomforting to see, you know, that yes, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are a big part of the issues, but at least you can see that, Hey, with the right players, this is at least watchable. I'm not going to say solvable. There's a long way to go for that, but the, this team, their hustle, their effort, it has definitely improved. And there is some value in that. We can't do, you know, these deep dives on the culture of the organization. And then all of a sudden, when they start to play better, act like, well, this is terrible. It's just hurting lottery odds. No, the issues that we've been talking about for months are real. So I do think that these wins and this progress that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, again, baby steps, But three out of five, the defense and the effort has really picked up. And Eric Gordon has been a big part of that. It's big for the whole organization as they try and, you know, mold. You know, it's not just about Eric Gordon. It's about molding an entire young core and developing guys in the right way. So if the only offers available for Eric are, you know, second round picks that aren't even good second round picks. And then you also have the whispers out there about, you know, Eric Gordon potentially being a perk to James Harden then I could see a scenario where it makes more sense for Raphael Stone to hold him and see what happens this summer. They basically have a team option, and so that gives you multiple ways that you can use him either for cap space or, you know, to keep him around at a fairly, you know, either uh, a reasonable one-year deal or you can renegotiate it over two or three years. But, but I've seen enough lately, and I do think there is enough importance for the Rockets to win a few games and to show some progress, given all the issues that we've talked about for months, that if Eric Gordon isn't, getting you, you know, anything close to what he's worth, then there is a case to keep him around simply because, you know, getting a late second round pick is not worth it just to say that you moved him. But I do think that the Rockets need to do something on the consolidation front. To me, that is really the big story when it comes to this deadline. Eric Gordon is one way that you could do it for sure. But KJ Martin, Jay Sean Tate, I'm actually in the camp. I would look more to dealing Jay Sean Tate simply because of his age. I think if there's one thing about this season, you're starting to see that this thing might take a bit longer to get to the end stage. Maybe next year you can make, you know, a climb to being competitive. But I do think that, you know, any dream short of getting, you know, Victor, and maybe not even then because he is just going to be 19 years old, 
any dream of this being, say, 2024, 2025 for the Rockets to contend, there's a long way to go. This season has shown that. You're probably looking you know, closer to 2026, 2027. And so that's why I'm drawn more to these younger guys. I mentioned being very hesitant, even for the top shelf guys, to give both KJ Martin and Tari Eason, guys that are 21 years old and conceivably could be a part of your future for a long, long time, as opposed to Jay Sean Tate with your timetable perhaps being delayed a couple more years, given how long that it's going to take then if he's going to be in his low 30s, then it may make sense for him to be the guy that you look at. But the bottom line, be it Eric, be it KJ, be it um, Jay Sean, I think the key thing to do is to try and reduce the stockpile that you have now, or I guess reduce the logjam and build your asset stockpile. Because it looks like, you know, if you don't get Victor or Scoot, then... Either it's going to come via free agency or you're going to have to prepare yourself to make, you know, the big ticket acquisition via trade. And the best way to do that is by boosting your stockpile of draft assets. And after this year, the Rockets really aren't going to have their own other than the 2025. But there's a pick swap involved, top 10 protected with OKC for that. Really, it's going to be Brooklyn and nothing else. So if the Rockets the cupboard can- is not full, we have this idea, and Rockets fans, I feel like at at large have this idea. Oh, we have all of Brooklyn's picks, and we're good. It's like no, well, they're not good. Like because there are the Brooklyn picks, but then you don't have any of your own except for the really, really, really think, far out ones. I think people haven't recalibrated because a couple of years ago it was like that. A couple of years ago, when you were looking right after the Harden trade, at both you know, the picks that Houston had and then combine that with the Brooklyn. Yes, but now those picks from Houston are turning into actual players and they're turning into actual players that if you want them to develop, they need to play. We're already seeing some of those issues this season with Usman Garuba and Josh Christopher not being able to find them the minutes that they need to truly get a read on them and to evaluate them and who they are and also to let them show what they're capable of and potentially develop. We're already getting to that point. So it, I want to I want to ra- I want to raise you that point just as a as one more counter to the idea of potentially not moving Eric Gordon right he is the guy who's the direct impediment to adding more Tari to the lineup adding more KJ Martin to the lineup right there's a reason that we only ever see Tari play the four it's not because he can't play the three it's because there's no minutes at the three. Like part of it is part of it is there's an affinity from this current coaching staff with Steven Silas to play Garrison Matthews. Lord yeah. help me. Don't know why that continues to yeah, be a thing. I, I would argue that that's the, the easy I, place I, to start. That that would be an easy place to start. But a, another easier place to start is Eric Gordon, right? Like, and here's the crazy part, right? Shout out to uh, Frank on Rockets Twitter, Tank 58 who has done a fantastic job sharing stats and, and his, you know, analysis and insight. He shared a statistic that when Tari Eason, Alperin Shagun, and KJ Martin share the court together, they are in a total of 414 possessions. They are a plus 15.9 net rating together. Mm. That's 99th percentile in the NBA. Those three guys do not get to play together as much, as nearly as they should, as nearly as much as they should, because... Steven Silas won't play Tari at the three for whatever reason. And a big Mm -hmm. part of that is Eric Gordon absorbs a lot of his minutes on the wing when Jalen and Kevin are both healthy. And there's also other guys that have been taking those minutes as well. So there's like, I think there's a bit of an argument there to like, just, I feel like you just got to rip the bandaid off at this point with Eric. It's just, he is, he is the one of the reasons, if not the direct reason that we haven't seen more of these young guys play. And I get it. They're going to look bad. They need vets. They need, you know, smart basketball players out there. But at some point you've got to figure out, okay, where are we getting these minutes from? And they're still Mm -hmm. very much committed to Jalen. They still are very much committed to Kevin. You can't be committed to three shooting guards. That's where some of the issues come from this lineup defensively. 
offensively, the parts are all clunky because you've got too many guys who do the exact same thing on the court together in those three players specifically. You got to move on from one of them. And I don't see this organization moving on from Kevin or Jalen. And I think at this point, it's kind of actively hurting their development, having EG out there. Yeah, I actually could see them potentially moving on from Kevin as soon as this summer, simply because he's going to have value as an expiring contract. And especially if you either end up at number two and can get Scoot Henderson or you're in the James Harden market, then can Kevin Porter Jr. work as a wing that can shoot? I think he can. We've talked about that before, but I don't know that he would have quite the same value, especially with all the other prospects that you have. So I could potentially see Kevin as soon as this summer being someone that's, you know, potentially a trade ship in deals under the right circumstances. But in terms of Eric Gordon at this year's deadline, yeah, you can't hold on to him simply because of, you know, the speculative bet that maybe Kevin Porter Jr. is a trade ship as soon as this summer. I'm right there with you. I just wanted to push back a little bit. I do think as soon as this summer, potentially that could come into play when uh, Porter's an expiring. And even if other teams see him as a risk, well, I mean, he's expiring. That, That contract is pretty friendly to trade if the Rockets choose to do that. But yeah, ultimately with Eric, I mean, your points are valid. And my guess is that there ends yeah, what, what is your what is your gut tell you is yeah. going to happen at this deadline? Because yeah. my gut's telling me and this is the depressing part. My gut is telling me the Rockets don't do anything. My no, gut is telling me the Rockets don't make a single move at the deadline. And I'm going to be very disappointed when that happens. I do think that would be fair to be disappointed by. If we're talking about like low end outcomes. Yeah, that's one that you could say was a loss because, again, I'm open to the idea that it doesn't have to be Eric Gordon. Again, there's you know factors we don't know in terms of what are the markets available for a given player. And also in the case of Eric Gordon, is there a link to James Harden, which some have suggested? I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket and say the Rockets have to move Eric Gordon. They have to move KJ, uh, KJ Tate, KJ Martin, or Jay Shante, trying to merge them together there. What I will say is that... Hey, if you could merge KJ and Jay Sean into yeah. one player, that'd be one hell of a yeah. basketball player, just putting that out but, there. Yeah, but especially... Still, still wouldn't be able to shoot. Yeah, oh God. Although KJ did have the dagger three uh, Wednesday night, so, you know, maybe, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, his regression from three has definitely been a bit disappointing this year. Still think there's a role for him, clearly, as a successful rotation player. But yeah, to be more than that, he needs to get that three-point stroke back closer to the 36% shooter he was his first couple of years. But yeah, I'll just say between those three guys in particular, EG, KJ, and uh, Jay Sean Tate, look to move one of those. If it's not Eric, again, I don't think you have to move him. My gut tells me that there's sort of a happy medium, especially with um, Gordon showing what he's shown you really since the start of the year. We talked about the last two games, but it's basically been since the start of January. His production, his efficiency has really gone up. So what what you're saying is there's been an improvement from Eric Gordon. Yes. Ever since he made the comments about a lack of a lack of improvement. Yeah. My gut tells me that you can get worst case, you know, a high second round asset for him, perhaps more than that. Maybe that's the compromise. Can't get a first, then get, you know, multiple seconds with one of them being, you know, a high second or very likely to be based on the current standings. To me, that's a good place. And even if, you know, you look at the Rockets, roster this year with how young they are and you know raffle stone has made the point in the past that you know you have to consider that you can't find minutes for all of these young players because they already have two first round picks how many guys they want to bring in it's not just about who you turn that pick into it's also about rebuilding the stockpile in terms of what you have asset wise to swing big trades down the line and so i think with especially tari eason coming on of late then to me, be it Eric, KJ, Jay Shun, study those markets. Maybe the market for one of those guys doesn't pan out the way you think it should 
But if if it doesn't, then okay, then in theory, the market should be valuing perhaps someone younger. And maybe that's some someone that a contender is willing to overpay a bit for. But I just think clearing up at least one of those guys and opening up more minutes for Tari Eason, to me, that's a pretty clear way that they can win, especially if it brings them back. Hopefully a first-round pick. In the case of Eric Gordon, given that he's 34 years old, I would settle for you know a high second, especially if you can get maybe two seconds as part of that package. But again, I just think doing something. I'm not willing to get more specific than that because I do think that, you know, Raphael Stone needs to be flexible. You need to sort of be working down different paths and be willing to strike on whatever makes the most sense from an asset perspective. But I just think in general, the, the way to look at it is start clearing that logjam, start building up your future stockpile, because after this year's draft, again, it's Brooklyn and not much else the next few years. So one way or another, I think you need to address that by this deadline. And then, you know, if there's any like super buy opportunities that we talked about Toronto with OG, with Siakam, with Fred Van Fleet, treat that as a bonus. I'm not willing to set the bar there because again, we don't even know for sure that Toronto is going to move in that direction. And if they do, there are so few sellers of top end talent that there's for sure going to be a lot of teams potentially interested in those players. So I don't know that it makes sense for the Rockets, but they should definitely be exploring for the reasons we said earlier. I think to me, the place to sort of set the bar, do something, do something that reduces the current log jam and helps build up your stockpile a bit as you head towards this offseason. Because really, when you talk about two first-round picks, one of them high, and up to $60 million in cap room, there's already a logjam when it comes to you know filling out this roster, and you're only going to be adding to it this summer. Right now, the only guy that you're potentially going to lose is Eric Gordon, and even that's not a given because there's a team option there. So if we talk about adding these guys, then their minutes are going to have to you know come from somewhere. So this is the right time. Again, it, it may vary based on the player. There may be some players where the market is better in the summer than it is at the deadline. But I would just say that between Gordon, KJ, and Tate, really you have all ends of the spectrum. EG is 34. Tate, I believe, is 27. KJ is 21. So they're all at different points in their age cycle. My guess is that at least one of those guys is going to have a market worth exploring at this year's deadline. And it's up to Raphael Stone to sort of pick the one that makes the the most sense. Uh, Again, I don't want to say for sure it has to be player X because I do think optionality is important. But do something. Maybe that can be our tagline for this episode. Do something. You know what? I'm going to just you remember the meme I'm, of like the stick where you, you know, you're poking yeah, the do, stick do, yeah. do something. There we go. That, you know, I'll go make that later. And then on top of that, I might just put that as the thumbnail graphic. It's going to say do something uh, ahead of the NBA trade deadline. But Ben, uh, fantastic episode as always. Will the Rockets make a move? I don't know. We'll keep you posted for that here at Locked on Rockets. We are one week away from the NBA trade deadline. Uh, you know the drill, Ben. Let everybody know where they can track you down at. Yep, uh, Ben Dubose on Twitter, the Rocketswire on Twitter, the Logger Line on Twitter, and uh, Rocketswire.usatoday.com for all of your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.